Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Dr. Sammy and friends are resting this week and will return next week. However, we have a leader from our local church community giving today's message. You can all be seated. Welcome to Palm Sunday. For those of us joining us in person and online, welcome. Just going to give you a moment to take a breath, practice some solid silence and solitude. Minyoung, I think, already has mom's brain. I have a, a writer's brain. We, we both are not making much sense. But, uh, but the grace of God is, is coming, especially in Palm Sunday, and Jesus is walking through Jerusalem. And the greatest surprise and disappointment is about to take place during the Passion Week. And I think it's important to contemplate and remember. One of my biggest disappointments is that we can't meet in person yet. This is the third Good Friday. And never could I have ever imagined in my lifetime that that would have happened or that would happen. But there will be disappointments in our lives. Uh, times where we can't reconcile why or the reasons, things that happen to the people we love and the things that happen to us and the things that happen around us. And this moment as we enter Good Friday, it's an important time to reflect the yet but not yet of the kingdom, which Stu will speak on today, the tension. So when it feels like all hope is lost, or when you catastrophize your losses. Remember that that rhythmic rhythm of disappointment and delusionment is part of the Christian narrative, and it's our story. And allow God and the Spirit to shape your formation through it. In our greatest disillusionment and disappointment is when the greatest power comes through and the greatest love is poured out. So will you bow your heads with me today and let's lay down some of the things we can't reconcile about our lives or around our lives as part of the Christian narrative where the greatest disappointments become the greatest joys and the greatest surprise. Let's exhale all those the angst, the automatic thoughts, the ruminating anxieties, and just bring it to the feet of the Lord and lay it down. And inhale the presence of God, his everlasting peace, guarding our hearts, reminding us in the darkness that the light is coming. Sarah Young, April 10th. Trust me in every detail of your life. Nothing is random in my kingdom. Everything that happens fits into a pattern for good to those who love me. Instead of trying to analyze the intricacies of the pattern, focus your energy on trusting me and thanking me at all times. Nothing is wasted when you walk close to me. Even your mistakes and sins can be recycled into something good through my transforming grace. 
While you were still living in darkness, I began to shine the light of my presence into your sin-stained life. Finally, I lifted you up out of the mire into my marvelous light. Having sacrificed my very life for you, I can be trusted in every facet of your life. All God's people pray. Amen. Well, welcome Stu now. Oh, yes. Definitely need to turn that on. Okay. How is everybody doing on this wonderful, wonderful Palm Sunday? Woo! How many of you guys are doing so well because this is Palm Sunday. It's the last week of Lent. We are getting ready to celebrate Easter, and I'm willing to bet that many of you are anticipating that Easter Sunday morning when you can say, thank you, Jesus. My fast is finished. I can have coffee again. I can go on social media again. Don't be too quick to give up those fasts and give up those defaults because God, I'm sure, has been doing some wonderful things in all of our lives over this fast, and he has a habit of doing great things. I remember a couple of years back, my fast was actually to fast my morning sleeping routine and to take up drinking coffee because God said, I want you to spend time with me in the morning. Just spend time journaling with me over a cup of coffee, and it was a beautiful thing. But I would be lying if I said that I was not anticipating every day that Easter Sunday when I could get my morning routine back and go back to sleep because I'm not a morning person. Um, but yeah, this is Palm Sunday. This is the beginning of Holy Week. It's the beginning of Passion Week. It's the week where we remember Jesus's last days on earth, the last days of his mission on earth, and we prepare for his death, crucifixion, and resurrection. And we're anticipating that on Easter Sunday. And anticipation is a very strong emotion, no matter what it is we're looking forward to, whether it's something good, bad, or something that could go kind of either way. When it's something good that we're looking forward to, like let's say maybe that first vacation that we take once the COVID restrictions are finally all done. Maybe it's going over a friend's house that you haven't seen for a birthday party or something like that. I know a lot of people both in this church and outside of this church that are anticipating their weddings and anticipating the birth of their children. And it's a beautiful moment of anticipation waiting for that, even if sometimes we would love to just skip the anticipation and get to the actual event. Then there are some things that we're anticipating where we're not sure which way it's going to go. We're not sure if it's going to be good or if it's going to be a little bit rough. Maybe a job interview, maybe asking someone out on that first date. And if they say yes, then we're anticipating that actual first date, and that could definitely go either way, too. Me personally, I'm anticipating playoff hockey because I don't know which way it's going to go. It's either going to go awesome or it's going to be an absolute train wreck. And it's, I'm just, yeah, a lot of anticipation for that. Then there are the things that we're anticipating because we really don't know how it's going to go, but we're assuming it's going to be bad. It's going to be a train wreck. And in that anticipation, we try to figure out what are we going to do about this? Am I going to make enough money to retire? Am I going to have enough money in my 401k? Am I going to leave someplace after dark and actually make it home okay? Because the city is a little bit crazy nowadays. Am I going to turn on the news? And what do I anticipate there? Because good Lord, who the heck knows what's going to happen in Ukraine next, right? Maybe we're anticipating things like my folks are starting to get older. How am I going to deal with that? Maybe our folks are anticipating the same thing. I'm starting to get older. How do I take care of my kids before things happen? And in the midst of all of that anticipation, what do we do? When there are good things or things that could go either way, at least we can kind of hold on to hope that things will be good, that we can endure this and it'll turn out all right. 
But the things that could turn out bad, what do we end up doing with those things? Do we run away from what we're anticipating in the hopes of just getting rid of it and maybe just ignoring it? Do we start to try to take control of it to try to shape the destiny of it? Do we fall back into the defaults that we have so that we can kind of medicate ourselves through the pain and anguish of what we're anticipating? Or do we look up and do we put our faith in the one who said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. The truth of the matter is that God is faithful to us and he is faithful to the people who look up to him and realize that he is the one that has written our story from beginning to end. And we're just kind of stuck in the middle of it anticipating what might happen next. So that's what I want to talk about today, how we can kind of deal with that anticipation. And sometimes, as Dr. Sammy said, the disappointments of what that anticipation may lead to. And we're going to touch on that theological topic that Doc talked about, the already but not yet kingdom. And I know as soon as I say the word theology, everybody is like, oh God, that's a boring subject and that's something I'm not qualified to deal with. Let me put you guys at ease. Anytime you talk about your faith with any of your friends, congratulations, you have just engaged in theology. It's not that scary, right? And besides which, all you guys are pretty smart, so I think you guys can handle it, right? So as we go into this, I think if we can catch this topic, I think this is going to be something that will really help us in our journey with Christ and in our anticipation. So let's go down to um, this passage. And again, today is Palm Sunday. We're anticipating Easter. We're anticipating Passion Week and everything that comes with it. And we call this Palm Sunday because of this event that's up here on the screen. And it's an event that has taken place in all four of the Gospels in one way, shape, or form with little different nuances. But it's Jesus coming into Jerusalem and being welcomed and greeted by the crowds as they throw palms and coats in front of him and they celebrate his coming in. But there are different groups of people who are anticipating different things from Jesus' arrival. Let's start off with the people of Jerusalem. Uh, we can see here, they took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. And they're so happy to see him because, for context, this is at the end of Jesus' three-year ministry. People already know who he is. They know he speaks with authority. They know he is a prophet. They know he has displayed miracles of power. And just recently before this, many of the people who are there at Jerusalem saw him raise Lazarus from the dead. I don't know about you guys, but some guy came to town and he raised somebody from the dead. You better believe I'm going to go check this out. And that's what people were doing. They were seeing this because they're anticipating something. They're anticipating, could this be the Messiah? Could this be the king that is going to come and rule over us and restore Israel to power? And John talks about this in verses 14 and 15. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, as it is written, Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. This is part of a prophecy in the book of Zechariah, where he's prophesying the king of Israel coming. And if the people are catching this, they're also thinking about the next verse, where it says, He will bring peace to the nations, and his rule will extend from sea to sea. That's a great thing to anticipate, right? And they're probably thinking, all right, we saw this. Now we're going to see the next thing. Well, let's put that on hold for a second. Let's talk about the Pharisees. They're another group that are anticipating something from Jesus coming in, but they're on the total opposite end of the spectrum. They've been dealing with this Jesus fellow for three years, and they don't like him one bit. 
He's a rabble rouser. He's a pain in their side. He doesn't do things the way they think it's supposed to be done. And one of the things that they're most worried about is that he actually will try to become some kind of a ruler or a king, that he will lead some kind of an insurrection in Israel to challenge the Roman Empire. And they know as soon as that happens, as soon as they start fighting against the Roman Empire, the Romans are going to come in and they are going to wipe the floor with them and they're going to wipe Israel off the face of the earth. So they're anticipating the bad coming from this. But in all of this anticipation that the people of uh, Jerusalem and the Pharisees have, they're missing something. They're missing that one thing is not necessarily following right after the other. They're missing the fact that God has definitely written his story. He has started writing the story of how he's going to redeem mankind, but it's not happening just yet. It started, but it's not being completed just yet. And this is what Dr. Sammy and what I wanted to talk about today, how the kingdom of God is already, but not yet. And I'm sure a couple of people are thinking here, well, how can something already be, but not yet be? That's kind of a paradox. It doesn't make sense. The truth of the matter is, is that the kingdom is here. It is being established. God has come. He has made a difference in all of our lives. Just in this passage, Jesus is already there and he's working in his ministry, but it's not yet completed. I mean, we can look around at the world today and say, if this is what the world is supposed to be like and God's idea completed, I might want a refund on things. But God is still at work and doing things. He is still working on this. C.S. Lewis said that the story of the gospel is the story of the rightful king landing in disguise and calling us to take part in a great campaign of sabotage. And in perspective, the king has landed. He has called us to that great campaign of sabotage, but we're still in the process of living that and doing that. And no matter what we're anticipating may happen next, it's a matter of putting faith in God that he has written that story of where it will go. Um, while I was doing some research for this sermon, I came across an article written by a professor at West, Westminster Theological Seminary, a gentleman by the name of uh, David Brionis. And he put it into very, a very, very easy perspective, talking about it in an example of when he got engaged to his wife. When he first got engaged, he knew that this was the girl that he wanted to marry. He was madly in love. He bought the ring, proposed, put it on her finger, and everything went happily ever after, right? No, of course not. It's never that simple. His father-in-law said, hold your horses. Before you marry my daughter, I have three requirements of you. First thing, you got to get your degree. You got to finish college. Second, both of you have to get full-time jobs. And third, I want you to have $5,000 in the bank. Not exactly outrageous demands or anything like that, but it took him about a year or so in order to fulfill all of those requirements. And in that, this is what he wrote. He said, it felt as if we were already married with the ring, with her ring symbolizing that long-term commitment. The reality symbolized by the ring, however, was not yet a present reality. It was a certain hope in an all too distant future. And that's where we find ourselves with the kingdom of God. The symbolism is there that it is coming, but when will it exactly happen? When will it come to completion? Sad thing is we don't know. We are stuck in that anticipation of it, that it is a certain hope in an all too distant future. And if we look at just our lives, just how things work in our lives, we can see this like how many people come out of college and go right to CEO? Nobody. 
You start out working in the mailroom. You start out as an intern. You start out getting coffee for the guys that have been working there 20 years, and they haven't even become a CEO yet. How many people come out of medical school and go right to chief of surgery? Nobody. You start as a resident where you're kind of like some kind of legal medical slave or something like that from what everybody's told me. It's an awful thing. Dr. Sammy has talked about how we have this great efficacy rate of people getting together and having weddings here at this church. But there is not one single couple here that locked eyes the first day they saw each other, said, okay, you're for me, I'm for you, let's do this. They got married that afternoon and walked off and had a happily ever after. I know one particular couple here, I'm not gonna name names, but uh, the uh, gentleman before he was dating someone said, oh man, so-and-so, man, I feel sorry for the guy that's gonna marry her. <laughs> Little did he anticipate that's who he was going to marry. Heck, when I just found out yesterday that when they were planning their wedding, they didn't anticipate the budget right, and they had to make a run during the wedding for some uh, extra supplies. Um, so yeah, anticipation doesn't always quite uh, happen. We're in that process. We're in that process, both in our lives and in the kingdom of God. But it's been in process since the very beginning. God has written that story. He is still writing that story, and we can have faith in him that he will continue and finish that story. So this is my first point, if we can put it up here. In your anticipation, remember, the kingdom of God is already but not yet. When Jesus rode into Jerusalem, people were anticipating something happening. The people were anticipating, this is it. This is the sign. This is when Israel is going to regain to power, but they didn't realize that it was not yet. And even in our lives, in our journey in faith, we know that God has started writing his story in our lives. And if you thought and you anticipated that it's going to be smooth sailing, I'm sure reality has mugged you and showed you that even when you accept Christ, there will be struggles. There will be times that we stumble. That's okay. God is faithful to finish the work that he has started in us. So my question for you guys, as we go into small groups this week and as we talk about this, where do you feel that struggle of the kingdom that is already but not yet? Where are your anticipations not meeting up with life? And how can we put our faith in God to finish the story that he has written in our lives? The people and the Pharisees, they were all looking at what was happening and they had their anticipations not understanding what God was actually going to do, the fullness of the story that he was writing. And a lot of times for ourselves, we're in that similar position. We don't understand the story that God is writing. We don't understand all the aspects of the journey of it. And I'm sure there are plenty of times when we feel God calling us to something. And maybe he's saying, maybe it's as simple as in Lent. And he's saying, I'm calling you to sacrifice coffee or social media or TV, or whatever it is. And we're anticipating, hmm, this is gonna be a tough Lent. I remember one person, he sacrificed, and he was fasting meat for part of Lent. And he anticipated just awfulness. I could not do that. I don't know how he did it. God bless him that he was able to do that. But in that anticipation of this could go horribly wrong, sometimes we don't see the things that God is going to do in that, the glorious story that he's writing in that. And that's what I want to talk about next, if we can go down. So let's talk about the third person in this, in this uh, part of the uh, gospel. Let's talk about Jesus' anticipation. And he comes at this 
from a very interesting perspective because he's anticipating what's going to happen because he knows what's going to happen. He's fully God and he's fully man. So he's in on what God is doing. He's writing in here in this moment of celebration where everybody is joyously receiving him. But he's fully aware that this isn't a simple thing where he's just going to ride off into the sunset as king. He knows that this is going to lead to his betrayal. It's going to lead to um, him being turned over to the rulers. It's going to lead to his crucifixion and his death. He does know that it's going to lead to him being raised from the dead. And it, he does know that it is going to turn out that this is what saves humanity. It's his sacrifice on the cross that redeems us to God. But again, he's fully God and fully man. He's anticipating everything that's going to happen. And he is anticipating that it is going to hurt, both physically, mentally, spiritually. And he talks about this. He raises this. He says in verse 27, now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? He's expressing something very, very human, very normal, something that we would say the same way if God was to come to us and say, I want you to give up this. And in our anticipation of how bad it could turn out, we say, God, are you sure about this? Are you sure this is the best way to do it? It's a very natural thing for us to say, right? And again, even Jesus is airing this. We see, fast forwarding to Good Friday, when he's in the uh, Garden of Gethsemane, he even says, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. But he says something after that. Your will, not mine, be done. And he says the same thing here. He asks this question kind of rhetorically. Father, should yeah. what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. And then he says, Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. Jesus is saying, your will, not mine, be done. He's submitting that to God, even though he's anticipating how much this will hurt, how much this, he will struggle with this. He is submitting that to God because he has faith. He knows that it will produce something good. Again, doing some research for this sermon, I came across a commentary. Um, and a commentary, for those of you guys that don't know, it's just someone breaking down every, bo every book, every chapter, every verse in Scripture, and just going super deep into it. And I found this from a gentleman, a theologian named Albert Barnes. And in writing about this in verse 28, he says, the meaning of this expression in this connection is this. I am willing to bear any trials. I will not shrink from any suffering. Let thy name be honor. Let thy character, wisdom, goodness, and plans of mercy be manifested and promoted, whatever sufferings it may cost me. Thus, Jesus showed us God's glory is to be the great end of our conduct and that we are to seek that whatever sufferings it may, may cost us. Jesus was willing to endure that, to be obedient to the Father, and for the sake of every single one of us here in this room today, and for everybody watching at home. He was willing to do that. And there will be times when God calls us to be in a similar position, hopefully not being martyrs. I don't want anybody to go through that, certainly not. But there will be times when 
our preferences, our desires, our wants, what we think we need in life, will be put to the test. And God will say, I'm calling you to move beyond that. And to embrace that, we're going to need to say, similar to as Jesus said, Father, glorify your name. Um, and it's hard to do that. It's hard to do that when we don't see how it will end, or even if it will end well. But it's a matter of putting faith in the one who has written our story from beginning to end and knows how it will go. Uh, talking about another person in the congregation, I'm going to put Henry on the spot today. And most of you, go, you guys know our creative director, Henry, and most of you guys know his story of how he came to this church and how he thought he was doing us a very big favor by uh, filming YouTube sermons for a bunch of empty chairs. And um, most of you guys know that he did give his life to Christ. But in the midst of all of that, and when he made that decision, he was going to go full tilt, full bore, 100% living for Christ and working for the church. Came to the point where he kind of had to tell his parents about that. And there was definitely some anticipation on both ends of the spectrum of Henry like, oh man, how are my parents going to take this? And when he told his parents, like, you're going to do what? How are you going to make a living? How are you going to provide? How are you going to get through this? The whole nine yards. And there was a lot of anticipation and a lot of un unsurety about how it would turn out. Fast forward however many years. It's, it's been too many years to count. Good Lord. How many years has it been, Henry? Like 15 now? Something like that? It's been a long time, but when you look at what has happened because Henry said, Father, glorify your name, you see the great things that have happened both in Henry's life and in the lives of people that Henry has touched. I mean, if nothing else, you see how much he has worked for the church and how much he's helped us develop the media and how much, even though in the anticipation of what could possibly go wrong and how we can solve these problems, no matter what it could possibly go, how it could possibly go, he continually says, Father, glorify your name. And he's always hard at work at it, and it has been a wonderful story to see in his life, in his family's life. I'm sure there was no anticipation that him deciding to live his life for Christ and work 100% for the church, he'd be able to support a family and everything like that, but God has taken care of him and written a beautiful thing in his family and the effect that he has had in, with his parents, with his in-laws, with so many people. That's what can happen when we say, Father, glorify your name. When we say, even though I am nervous as all hell in what I anticipate could happen, I am putting my faith in the one who has written this story from start to finish. Father, glorify your name. And that's my second point. In our anticipation, cry, Father, glorify your name. Whatever it is you're anticipating, however you're receiving that anticipation or dealing with that anticipation, even when it's difficult to trust God because you don't see how or when it will turn out for good, it's encouraging to remember that God has written our story. He has written it from start to finish. And as Paul says in Romans 8.28, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So my question for you guys is, where do you need to trust God in that anticipation? And who are the people that you can go to, that you can turn to and say, hey, I'm nervous about this. I don't know how this is going to turn out. 
Find the people that can pray with you, that can encourage you, that can keep you spurred on to do the things that God is calling you to do, to help you trust that God has written your story, that he will continue writing it. So would you guys stand with me and pray today? Father, I thank you that you are trustworthy in the story that you have written, that you are at work, that you have been at work since the beginning of time, working to redeem all of humanity, working in our lives, and you continue to work that story every day. Father, help us to say, Father, glorify your name in all the things that we anticipate, in all the things that we fear. Help us to trust in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The Bible says in the New Testament, and I, I have banked my whole life, entire life on this. Those who put their trust in the Lord will never be put to shame. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't doubt in your trust. It's a paradox, and it's yet, but not yet as well. It doesn't mean you don't feel fear in your trust. It doesn't mean you freak out in your trust. How many people freak out sometimes? Raise your hand if you, you know, oh, I trust, oh, no, no, trust, you up and down, up and down. In fact, if you look at the whole framework of the New Testament, are the disciples doubting, criticizing other people about their belief? Like the women from the resurrection, Mary, Mary, the other woman, this is stop talking nonsense, which in today's translation is shut the, shut up with some, you know, other words in between. So tell someone next to you, shut up. <laughs> because that's what it sounds like when someone says, put your trust in the, shut up. Because there's the, that's the, the whole imagery of yet, not yet. Trust is yet, but not yet. Right? And, and that's what we're praying today. God, it's not sin to be human, and it's human to doubt. But when you put your trust in the Lord, I've seen this in my life, He will never put you to shame. In fact, Henry's family were saying that he's the only happy person at his job. So they're like, well, okay, so this worked out pretty well for you. Not that we're hiring anyone, but... You know, just letting you know. So if you lift your hands with me today, will you put your hands out of your, take your life out of your hands and put it into God's hands? That's the whole point of Palm Sunday, Lent, and Easter. All that angst you feel about the life that's not yet and saying, God, I trust you like Jesus, even though if Jesus doubted, and, and struggled, and I am too, and that's okay. But ultimately, I believe you are good. 
I declare your faithfulness demonstrated on the cross. And I believe in your name that you will not fail me. You will work for my good. So let's surrender those struggles and that tension to the Lord right now. I am not ashamed. Father, we come before you this afternoon. We, like Jesus, in his tradition and in his rhythm of reflection, petition, and prayer. Teach us, God, the art and the craft of living in that tension. Because faith is more craft than feeling. And prayer is the chief practice. Did you see, based on today's text, that Jesus said, Father, glorify it. And then it says something so marvelous. A voice from heaven. It doesn't speak that God spoke to Jesus' heart. It says that a voice from heaven. The culmination of Jesus' ministry began with a voice from heaven in a baptism. And Jesus hears an audible voice of his Father from heaven saying, I have glorified it, glorified it, and I will glorify it again. And if look around you right now, to the people next to you, he is glorifying it even now, compounding that glory in your life and mine. So how is God going to glorify your tension? That is the question of the theological framework of yet but not yet. 
we are wasting our crisis. People, tell someone you're wasting a crisis if God is not glorifying it. You're wasting a crisis, people. This is what people at Wharton say. You're wasting a crisis if you're not learning from it. In a theological framework, you're wasting a crisis if God's not glorified through it. Let me tell you right now, in crisis is when you meet God in the most powerful ways. C.S. Lewis says that he whispers to us in our pleasure, but he shouts to us in our pain. And you might not even notice what he is saying in the moment, but in hindsight, you'll see it. So don't waste a crisis. Let the struggle shape that story in Gethsemane for all of us. The power of God meeting you like you've never witnessed before. Because those who put their trust in the Lord will be what? Will never be put to shame. Will you bow our heads for the benediction as we move to Easter? But not yet. Because Good Friday is coming. <laughs> and in Good Friday, all the not yets will be illuminated. Catastrophized. All the fears All the paranoia will be crystallized. Just like most of us in some times of our life where we question everything we're standing on. Because sometimes our faith is like furniture. We put our weight on it thinking that it'll stand. Unlike sometimes I broke some furniture, not knowing the second helpings I had helped myself. But remember, that in your doubt and in your tension and in your struggle, there is nothing you can do except wait. And the only reason we're meeting at Union Square, not eating brunch outside, is on the third day, God's power showed up. And it will show up again. So may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. All God's people say, amen. We'll see you on Good Friday. Welcome to our Sunday service at 180 Church. My name is Minyoung, and I'll be going over our community news before going into our sermon for today. Our first announcement is about tithes and offering. If you're a member here at 180 Church, we ask that you remember to keep God in the center of your finances. So please tithe faithfully, which you can do at Venmo, Zelle, Chase Quick Pay, or PayPal. If you're a visitor with us here today, we welcome you to our service, and there's no financial obligation to give. But if you'd like to make a donation, you can feel free to do so in those methods. Our next announcement is about about Bible Reading Group, or BRG, as we like to call it here. We have an Instagram handle and a Tumblr page at 180BRG, where you can jump in at any time to read the Bible with us. Um, There are regular posts on both channels, so feel free to follow along and get fed with the Word of God. Um, Speaking on getting fed with the Word of God, we now have devotionals available for purchase at our 180 Cafe. 
Um, as Dr. Sammy mentioned last week, um, devotionals are a great way to tune into our hearts and God's heart, even when we don't have the words or the power to pray. And we have a few available that you can purchase via uh, Venmo or QuickPay at the cafe now, so feel free to check them out. Next up is all of the different ways that you can pray with us or pray with us or request prayer from our prayer team at 180. We invite you to use these resources at 5397 prayer or prayer at 180church.tv. And we also have house of prayer here in the theater at 1140 uh, before service begins. So feel free to come and align your hearts. Next up is all the different ways on social media that you can stay connected with our church. We're on three Instagram handles at 180church, 180brg, and 180 Fellowship. We have a YouTube channel at 180churchNYC. Dr. Sammy here, uh, our past, head pastor here at 180 Church, has a Twitter page at Dr. Sammy Kim. Our Facebook page is at 180 Church, and as mentioned, we have a Tumblr page at 180brg, so feel free to follow us, like us, and keep up with us throughout the week. Our next announcement is about small groups, which are still mostly being held remotely during this time. Um, small groups are where we can meet in smaller pockets of our community and connect during the week. Our adult groups meet Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. Our young adult group meets every Thursday at 7.30 p.m. And our college group, 180 Fellowship, meets in pers person, I believe, on Mondays at 7.30 p.m. And if you're interested in getting plugged in, you can come talk to me after service. Our next announcement is about our children's ministry. We need volunteers to help with watching our little runs during Sunday service. So if you enjoy hanging out with the younger crew and helping them to learn more about Jesus, you can speak to Pastor Leah or Michelle Kim. Uh, we also need volunteers for our 180 Cafe, which you guys pass on your way in here. We have a great team who serves up really delicious coffee and tea and other beverages, and they need some more help um, and more hands. So if you're interested in helping out, you can talk to Danny O or Wendy Lee. Or if you're, in if, if you're interested in serving the community in a different way than the ones I mentioned, we do need more people on the greeting team to help welcome our members and visitors. So if you'd like to help out in this way, you can also talk to Danny O or Wendy Lee about this. That's it for all of our announcements today.